last week on Lore Seekers. A build is not always going to be 100% the way to go. You got to definitely, I think now more than ever, all these months into ESO, I've learned is just make your build yours because then you'll feel more comfortable to play style. You'll do better because you believe in your build. The Imga disappeared from Valenwood around second era year 582 to wait out the end of the plane meld in the Alliance War. Not that I can recall, but it makes me wonder how they reproduce. Like, if, oh, I don't, I, that's well, maybe pa- that's an image we should just that is some leave it alone. Powerful stuff right there. <laughs> there is a lot of torque going on. I tell you that much. That's a lot of love. <laughs> oh my god! Greetings, travelers. Welcome to the Lore Seekers Podcast. Grab an ale and join our two adventurers as they share their tales of misadventure in the land of Tamriel. Here they are at their usual table. Jibs and cash. We come to a, a high elf tavern, but it's pretty good. You're going to get snooty ale. Yeah, yeah, it's extra on the snood. That's what it is. Yeah, it's actually... It's actually good, though. Yeah. You know, it's they take their time and refine everything. It's like a fine wine, like a fine even though I hate wine. It's like a fine wine with barbecue. That's correct. I just hate barbecue. Oh, hey, look who's here. Hello. Up, friends, have a seat. Ale is a plenty. What can I get you, boys? Indeed it is. Oh, um, oh, you know what? In the season, I know. Uh, do you have any pumpkin ale left? I would like some of that because it tastes good. I want that. I'm gonna go with your uh, cinnamon mold spiced wine, please. Oh man, coming right up. That sounds good. Oh, my friend. Well, it's been a week. Um, how's it going? What's what's been going on? It's been amazing, actually. I've had a great week. I um, have been having a great time in the Undaunted Celebration event. And I'm not as nuts as some of our friends are out there. There's some folks doing every single character every single day. Gee whiz. That's cray cray. I think I did that with New Life like two years ago. You did that with Jester Festival this year. I did. Yeah, you're right. I did. Yeah. It, and that, you know what? That takes like all your playtime. Yeah. I'd- so and now with the podcast this year. Um, I don't really have time for that because we got some other things that we need to do. So I want to get in my good, my good fun playtime, and um, you know, not get locked into having to do every single character. And this week I was leveling my Bobo. How's that going? It's done. You're all done. Well, I guess it's never done, but yeah, no. But I hit uh, 50, so I'm at CP level now, and I have enjoyed the journey. And continued to have some success in PvP throughout the week. And um, I have run a bunch of dungeons. So it went really quickly. And then um, last night I finally hit it. Last dungeon. I I think probably ran Fungal Grotto or something minute like that. And just crushed it. Boom. There it was. And I spent the rest of the evening getting a starter set going. Because I need to go get um, pieces of Reliquin. In Cloudrest now. So is that going to be a PvE tune for you? That's a PvE t- tune for me, yeah. Yep. Right on. And join him. Going to do some RP. Started writing with him today. Um, 
So this one I did a little different. I waited until I got all the way to level 50 to start writing his story. But he's going to have kind of an interesting story that may or may not tie into the grand scheme of things around the uh, Lore Seeker facility. Mm, fun. Yeah. How about you, Very buddy? Fun. Uh, it, busy with the event. Like, I feel in, you know, in times past, anybody who's listening to the show, it's like anytime there's an event, that's kind of where all my energy goes. But uh, listening to you talk about your Bobo build, I thought, I want to try something. Like, this is purely an experiment. So I made a tune that's um, also going to be Bobo Warden. And I want to see how viable I can make that uh, with PvP. And just for fun. My main PvP build is my, my Sork. But I'm like, you know what? I want to see... I want to see what I can do with this. So... We'll see. I'm th- honestly thinking... I don't know what viability there is here. I'm honestly thinking of remaking him as a Sork that uses bow. Bow. But I, Well, I don't know that. if you've been listening to the show last episode and then the intro that I just told you, but I have had some great success with PvP with him. <laughs> yeah. Great success. So if and when you would like to see my build, all you got to do is ask. Oh, okay. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, oh, real quick, uh, before we get started, um, Cash and I both have a shout-out to a, a guild member who surprised us both. I'm assuming you got it, too. I see Cash shout-out here. I did, uh, yeah. Cash and I both were gifted uh, an outfit from uh, Blaisa. Is that how you... Is that correct? Yeah, Blaisa. Blaisa, yeah. Thank you. Blaisa, that was awesome. Blaisa, yeah. Thank you. He's been in our guild for quite Long a while. Long time. I still... Ooh, now I say he, but I'm not quite sure. I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure it's a dude. You never know. But I have made that mistake before. <laughs> because I am full Bosmer. Full Bosmer. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, so, it. thank you. That was fantastic. Yeah, thank you very much. That was really, really awesome. And um, yeah, it was it's nice to be blessed with a with a gift. That was really pretty cool. Yeah, it was. That was awesome. Thank you. All right, friends. Well, everyone, welcome to the show. This is the Lore Seekers podcast where we chitty chat about the Elder Scrolls Online. We are your hosts. I am Jibs, and I'm joined by Cash. Speaking of gifts, hmm. we have upon us the season of giving. We do. Jibs, there is a lot of stuff that is going on in regards, not just the Undaunted Celebration event, in which we get a gift for just running a little measly dungeon, but we actually have a lot of stuff going on in the Crown Store, and I know we're going to talk about it. Yeah, we've got a lot to talk about. It's all, it seems like it's all Crown related as far as news is concerned, but last week on the show, we talked about the Undaunted Celebration event and kind of gave you some details on that, how you could get a free pet during the month of December. And if you've ever wanted to learn about the forgotten races of Tamriel or maybe some of the lesser known races, well, we did a monstrous lore lesson on that very topic. So you can do go check that out. But uh, this week on the show, we're talking the ESO Crown Store Showcase for December a new Crown Crate season, which as of now, if you're listening on release day, is out. It is active. And uh, we're doing a lore lesson on the artifacts of Elder Scrolls and polishing it all off with your fan mail. So, are you ready, my good friend? 
One ton of fan mail. Mm-hmm. We got a one ton of fan mail. That was good. Oh, thank you. Huh. You're welcome. All right. Well, let's just dive right in, shall we? Uh, Please do. All right. So first up here on the docket for the day is the Crown Store Showcase. This is for December 2018 and uh, the last one of the year. Was, uh, this is it. This is it. Can't believe we're going to a new year already of ESO. And I know. It's, it's cray cray. You know what that means, don't you? You know what next year means. As soon as we hit January. Another expansion? First thing we're getting is that expansion. Oh my gosh, dude. I can't even believe it. It's like almost time again. I know. I know. That's such an exciting time for not only, yes, the Elder Scrolls community, but that's such a exciting time here on the show. Like, that's one of my favorites. When it's, you know, it's around E3, we've got all this news, we've got all this stuff coming out, all these preludes, we're learning about all these characters. Oh, man. That's good times. Yep. Good times. Well, anyway, uh, Crown Store Showcase. So, we're not going to nauseate you with going over every single little thing. The one thing we definitely want to highlight here is for pretty much the more um, some of the more interesting items here. And first off, if you're an ESO Plus member, we've got some exclusive free items. One, the Vivek Warrior Poet Statuette. And two, the Priestess of Mara costume. <laughs> um, you know... There's a part of me that wish I did not learn so much about Vivek because I know I would have liked him far. I liked him far better before we did the lore lesson a couple episodes ago. Yeah, sorry I ruined that for you. He's got to pull that plug real quick there. You know what is neat though mm. is that is that we're doing a is like we're going to have a collection. Yeah, it seems. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I like that. I didn't even know that that was going to be the trend when we got the um, Molag Ballbag statue. Yeah. So this is going to be kind of cool. Yeah, I just thought it was kind of a one-off little thing there. And, you know, like, oh, okay, cool. But no, here we are. Yep. Here we are. Collectibles. Uh, yeah, the Priestess of Mara costume. Yeah, if you're into Mara and, and all the the garb that they wear, well, you'll be right at home there. Uh, also, we got an exclusive offer for the uh, Bonding Right Vestment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. Very, very strange. That's uh, very Argonian Merkmire themed. Um, if you've been listening to the NPCs about the whole bonding rite around Merkmire, well, I'm just going to let you uh, finish that thought on your own. <laughs> it's very revealing. Yeah. And tribal and bright and ugly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah, all that. All that and one. Stuff. All that and more. Uh, also, we got the Noble River Hold Cinch Lion. And I think I want that. He's cool looking. He's kind of that guy, gray tone. Yeah, so it's pretty much a gray male lion uh, with the whole mane and everything. I don't know. I, I can tell you why I want it so bad. I've had this weird... You ever like go down the, the YouTube just video hole and you end up in some video that you never intended like on the first five minutes of watching every day yeah for some reason i've been getting all into lion uh national geographics (laughs) i'm all about it (laughs) oh wow 
Did um have you ever heard like from friends or maybe those who may offer advice to you that there's some things that you just keep to yourself? Um No, I just kind of you know, I just kind of read whatever the teleprompter gives me. It's kind of throw you it out there. Are you sure you're not looking at at tribal races and their dress because that's typically what people look at National Geographic. <laughs> Four. No, pretty sure I'm looking at lions in the, okay. in the whole life. But yeah, anyway. So anyway, right. uh, Noble River Holds Cinch Line is there. Uh, that'll be coming out later this month. Also, the Mint Swamp Jelly Pet. Those look pretty cool. This one's glowing. If you've seen the Swamp Jellies, well, yeah, it's your own it's pet. It's very psychic. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not. It's actually Socks Leo. It is. Uh, and on top of that, Crown Gym exclusives. This is a this is a big deal. These two are a big deal. We've got the Saber Cat Frost Atronach mount. Yes, please. Which is a cinch mount that's literally a huge block of ice and covered in armor. What's more to love? Yeah. But uh, anyway, I'm- make sure you wear pants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That would uh, be a little uncomfortable. <laughs> So he is going to go right along with my um, my winter ensemble. Oh, are you doing a whole a whole thing? I'm doing it. Yeah, I'm doing a winter ensemble, yeah. which is why I really would like. Um, we're going to talk about it here coming up here pretty quick, but um, I would really like the Ice Heart Arms Pack. Yeah, like sooner than later. Right, right, right. Uh, also on the exclusives, uh, we've got uh, or gym exclusives. We've got the Ice Nixad uh, pet, non-combat pet. So there's that as well. Uh, yeah. The big deal, though, really I think the biggest deal that we're seeing so far is the return of some things. But some new things, like Cash already mentioned, was the uh, outfit styles, the Ice Heart Arms Pack. Now, for those of you who have been doing this, and you'll be pretty comfortable with this, every month we get... A new arms pack added to the store, but on top of that, you can earn style pages of themed around uh, said arms pack or said boss from the arms pack. So during this time, which is December 19th through the 30th, the Iceheart Mask style page will have a chance to drop from the final boss in the Vet Dungeon Dire Frost Keep, which that's a that's pretty easy good to get through. And uh, the Iceheart Shoulder style page can drop from the Glirion, the Redbeards, and Daunted Chest. So, yeah, these weapons, like Cash said, uh, they're all covered in ice. Yeah, it's pretty cool looking. Yeah, you know what that'd go along with? Um, winter? The, well, yes, but the the frost, cra- the frost Caster. Oh, Frost Caster. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's coming back. Yep, definitely a thing. For sure, <clears throat> I picked that one. I picked up that one along quite a bit ago, and um, I yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to that because um, part of our our guild deal this month is um, a little Christmas thing that we have going on our Christmas event. Yeah, that we're going to be mm-hmm. actually by the time this comes out, will have been announced. Yeah, but um, yeah, so part of that is that we are doing a snow run and we're going to do world bosses in all the snowy regions Woo. of um tamriel awesome. so it'll be perfect dress because it's cold up there yeah yeah for those of you who don't know what Frostcaster is pretty much it's uh well winter themed guard with a lot of furs and and nordic looking metals but on top of that 
it's almost like ice shards are coming off of it. But the interesting part about this, I always wonder what that was, if it was ice or what this was. But I love this caption here, and I'm going to read it to, uh, for everybody here. It says, quote, this is from Dr. Alphidia Lupus. Says the most curious aspect of this frost caster clothing was is its extensive use of an unfamiliar translucent blue white material labeled stalrim, a sort of crystalline metal unlike anything I've ever seen. It was so strange that I laid hands upon it, rubbing it and tapping. It was rigid, faceted yet smooth, and gave off a distinct chill. End quote. Yeah. Chiller. Yeah, I want that. That looks cool. And on top of that, there's something else that uh, if you're a werewolf character, or maybe like vanquishing them, we've got the crown store, uh, their crown crafting motif, Silver Dawn. It's coming out. So yeah. I like it. Werewolf slaying. Looks good. Covered in furs. All kinds of good things. But um, on top of that, we've got some mounts coming up. Um, if you are an ESO Plus member, you'll know we got this earlier a few weeks ago. Discounted the Ebon Steel Dwarven Spider. It's coming back. We've also got the uh, Ice Wolf that's coming. And uh, for pets, you can get the accompanying accompanying uh, White River Ice Wolf Pup as well. So there's that. And uh, to polish it all off, we got uh, some returning favorites. We've got... I'm just going to read this here because I'll, I want to make sure you get it all. It says, A number of previously released New Life Festival favorites will also be returning to the ESO Crown Store during the month of December. Even better, they'll be on sale. Keep an eye out for the Winter Garland Dapple Gray, which I'm assuming assuming that's the mount. Uh, the Winter... Yep, horse. Yep, the horse with the wreath and bells around it. Uh, you can actually see that, I believe, on their uh, Twitter timeline. I know Zoss put that out on the uh, TSO online page, so you can check that out. The Winter Broadrims Hat Pack, Sun's Dusk Winter Hood, and Winter Scouts Pack as well. So yeah, there you go. Crown store showcase. Very nice. Yeah. Yep. All kinds of stuff. Yay, Christmas. Yeah, woo, Christmas. All kinds of good stuff coming up. Uh, now, probably the more exciting bit everyone has been waiting for. I'll be honest, I forgot that we've had a crown se- crate season so long. Well, we've got a new one coming this month. In fact, it's available right now. So... This says, uh, introducing the Zanmir Crown Crate Season. And I'm just going to read this to you here. It says, quote, Zanmirs, those mysterious Argonian steppe pyramids of the deep swamp, made from stone as if intended to last thousands of years, but then largely abandoned due to what? No one in Black Marsh seems to know, nor do they seem to care, excuse me, that any Zanmirs are packed with old relics others find valuable. Somehow, those abandoned relics, enchanted and mundane, get smuggled out of the Black Marsh, crated up, and then made available to you. So, we've got all kinds of uh, fun things here. And they list a few, just like they, they do all the time. But So we've got... Man, I don't, I don't want to just read through this. Is there anything here that really stuck out to you? Um, yeah, the bear lizard mount. The bear lizard mounts? Okay, so let's go... That thing's cool looking. Yeah. We saw that guy, I believe, in the initial, um, reveal, of the gameplay reveal from the live stream. For those of you who are watching that, you'll remember they were riding a mount, a green looking lizard mount. Well, it's gonna be a... I 
think that one was the cinch though because if you look below it looks like it looked i think that one looked a little bit more like it was the uh, chilling cinch lizard mount oh okay. basically what they're okay. doing is they're taking all the mounts and mixing them with lizards yeah it's kind of yeah okay. it's kind of cool looking yeah it, kind of unsettling particularly if you if you scroll down you see that the rare mounts, the Scorching Horse Lizard and Venomous Wolf Lizard. Yeah. Yeah. Creepy looking stuff. And there's more um, There's more plants. Yeah. Which is good. Those are widely popular. I don't know that most people really understand how popular plants are out there with the housing friends. There's a lot of money to be made oh, if you are yeah. selling plants. Insane. You know uh, the, let's see here. Those There's are, the uh, two, two-handed two axe style. That's kind of weird looking. Evoroplasm. So yeah, if you fought any Evoroplasms in Merkmire, pretty much it's a metal axe, but it's covered in green sludge. And actually, if you look close at the axe handle, it actually looks like a long bone of something. I was going to say, is that a femur? <laughs> yeah, because it's got a hinge joint at the top and another at the bottom. Hmm. Interesting. Fantastic. Yeah. I do like this, the bright throat skin scale. Or scale skin, I'm sorry. Bright yeah. throat scale skin. Looks pretty cool. So for those of you who obviously for all you're all listening, so this is pretty much turns you your skin into an Argonian, except it's got some serious hues of teal dark I don't know this isn't right, but just a darker like a burnt blue. And then you've got these oranges and reds. Very tribal looking. So, yeah, yeah, very colorful. I'll be honest, man. There was a real part of me that was like, "Oh man, it's Merkmeyer theme." <laughs> like, well, yeah, it's Merkmeyer theme. Well, I mean, what are they? They got. They have to. They have to. Absolutely. I yeah, fully get it and understand. Yeah, you get that. Co- you can get that cool looking uh, didgeridoo as a memento. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> The cool looking. Yep, that thing. That thing. That is correct. You can get that as well. Yeah, but the uh, Vasa Sat, Vasa Satal, Memento. Vasa Satal. Vasa Satal. Huh. Vasa Satal. I don't know. You know my favorite part about the Crown seasons? It's not so much. I mean, yes, it's the mounts and the fun things, but what you can buy with the gems that they don't list. They never list those in these. It's always something that's somewhat of a surprise, you know, once you log in that first day and check it all out. Right. That's my fave. Yep. It is, and, you know, it incentivizes you to pick up crowns or to pick up the crates. Here's And I do, invariably, every single time. Here's something that's not in the notes, but it was something I was thinking about driving home. I don't know, you know, I I don't know if you've heard of this. Did you hear about the uh, the U.S. government is now officially, now follow me folks, I'm not getting political, is investigating loot boxes, loot crates? You're officially doing is, an investigation. Is this your, your random thought of the day? No, follow me here. They're doing an investigation on that. Okay, so what's that mean for ESO? Okay, there's loot crates. There's crown crates. They're lo- they're loot crates, pretty much. You buy them and you get random stuff. Okay, it's the same thing. Think about this. How does that affect ESO? In that, like, if that ends up getting banned in the U.S., what's going to happen to the crown crates in ESO? 
Um, they tell you exactly what's in them? I don't know. I mean, I get, were they saying it's like a form of gambling? Yeah, form of gambling. Oh, wow. Yeah, I guess young oh kids gosh. are... They've, like, increased their gambling habits. Well, but the, the reason why I'm bringing that up is because I it got me thinking, like, huh, I wonder what will, you know, will that affect the crown crates? And it's just something to think about. I haven't really seen anybody yeah. talk about it. but certainly is. Anyway, so, yeah, that's the crown crate season. And uh, on top of that, going on right now through the 11th is a ESO-free weekend. You guys can check it out. Get into it. Everybody's welcome. Prepare for server overload <laughs> with people. <laughs> so you can uh, hop yep. in and uh, check out ESO. See if you like it. See what we uh, cast about. You can actually play it and experience it for yourself. So It, ha- it has been kind of wonky lately, huh? Yeah, it's been rough. Yeah, it's been kind of rough over the last week with the, um, I think there's just an influx of a lot of new players, especially a lot of, not new players, but a lot of players, period. And a lot of players coming in specifically using one of the main systems in the game, which is the Dungeon Finder. Um, So if you haven't been in the game, then you've certainly missed a bunch of buggy things trying to get into dungeons. Yeah. Um, we were actually talking about this last night. Um, what folks are doing is they are queuing for dungeons and they'll get whatever random and then they will port one of the players will port to like Banished One or Fungal Grotto or Spindle Clutch or something like that. So they get the easy, easy run and still get the um, daily random dungeon credit. What? Yeah. So that's like dirty. Do you think that's dirty? Because I was like, yeah, whatever. No, it's smart. I didn't think like, that that. Uh, w- I didn't think that was exploity at all. Do you think that's exploity? It's. I. You know what? I really. I don't think that's an exploit, but it's. Uh, because it's all right there, and it lets you do. Maybe it is. I don't know, man. That's walking the fence. That is walking yeah. that fence. Because, like, you know how much time that would have saved me. <laughs> I don't know if I'm more offended. I didn't think of it first, or if it's because I'm wondering if that's you know truly an exploit or not. Yeah, and I, you know, I don't know. I was like thinking about like, yeah, should I bring it up on the show, or you know, I, I don't. I wonder if they're listening or. So I don't know if they're listening or if they're not, but it's just it's a discussion topic at least that I don't know if it's exploity then you know and it comes out as such then we certainly won't be doing it. But I just don't see that as exploity. I don't you know. I don't know. I just I feel dirty. I like I I feel like that shouldn't be allowed. If it's a random, that's it your needs beard. to be a that's random. your beard. That- it's your beard that's making you feel dirty. No, that's probably accurate. Yeah, keep it trimmed. It's nice and trim. Nice and nice and shaped up. Especially after I just saw something move. I just saw something move in your beard. You didn't see anything. Yeah, I did. Go wash yourself. Okay, deal. Alright, everybody. Well, that was the news for the episode. So we want to know what you think. And honestly, I would love to hear your thoughts on what Cash has talked about with the whole porting thing. And on top of that, I would love to know your thoughts on the crown crates and if it becomes illegal in the u.s it's things that that will be talked about in eso one time or another especially if that happens so we want to hear from you you can call us at 765-382-6961 don't be afraid to leave a voicemail we get so many emails 
We hardly get a voicemail. Don't be afraid. It's okay. It's okay. We won't bite. Yeah. Too much. Too much. You can also email Very us. Very hard. You can always email us. We won't us. bite. Very hard. Podcast at gmail.com. 24-7. Both of those. Anytime. Anywhere. Maybe you're up at 2 a.m. thinking about us. <laughs> Which would be weird. But hey. Maybe. I know. We do check the times on our emails. Right so there. Yeah. We do? You do? Yeah. Huh. Oh, you're a creeper. Well, that way you know if the person is crazy or you're not. You're a creeper. You are a creep. 3 a.m. Because you creep. Yeah. All right. Well, everybody, uh, it's that time. It's my favorite time. It's the Lord lesson time. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm excited about this one. Not like I'm not excited about every single one of these that we do. But today, I literally get to use an artifact... To talk about artifacts. Yay! Speaking of artifacts, stand back. Here we go. Yes! I'm getting better at that. Oh, well, I'd hope so. You've had that thing for at least a episode, or a season and a half. <laughs> yeah, remember like when I first started summoning the lore books? Yeah. I'd like a page, or, a page or two would be missing? Yeah. It's all there, baby. Yeah. It's all there. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, That's I'll do. just do a slash kowtow and take my step back now. Good. Just go ahead and hit mute. I won't need you for about 25 minutes. Holy crap. <laughs> that was a burn. <laughs> all right. So I, I wanted to do something a little bit uh, a little bit different, something that we hadn't really talked about before. We've touched on it before, but I wanted to kind of dive into it a little bit. Artifacts. In the Elder Scrolls series. Ancient objects that wield significant power. Many of these items are very famous. I'm sure you've heard of a ton of these that I'm going to go over. And some even hold a connection to Tamriel's history as a whole. Some of them have a mind of their own. And have been known to alter their own form at random. Many of them will actually never remain the same. Many of them change over time. Many of them change owners over time before they're off to spread their influence on some new and lucky user. So if you played the Elder Scrolls series, you have definitely dealt with artifacts. The Daedric princes themselves have been known to fashion different artifacts from their very essences, and then they gift them to mortals in exchange for some deep-seated purpose. Molag Bal was one of those. In our time period of ESO. Not all Tamrielic facts, however, not all Tamrielic artifacts, even, however, originated with Daedric Princes. So, for example, the Staff of Magnus has origins that date back to the creation of Mundus itself. Keening, which you know as one of Kagranak's tools, was actually created by a mortal. So other artifacts may form naturally, like the uh, Seven Star Teeth, which is the magical prismatic crystal taken from the skies by Iliad's airships during the Merithic era. I had no idea about that one either until I read it. Went, Excuse me, what? Airships? Hello? Ancient artifacts have some very specific traits. Many come in the form of weapons, armor, jewelry, books, or other different types of mundane items. As a matter of fact, I think there was one that was used... By the date or by the uh, Dark Brotherhood, that was actually in the form of a belt. The belt, yeah, yeah. 
So uh, Daedric artifacts are usually, Daedric artifacts themselves are usually crafted of ebony. And then many of these artifacts are near impossible to destroy. They'll usually end up resurfacing in various places after being lost to history for a time. And many are enchanted with incredible power and are of such superior design and craftsmanship. Some artifacts are very powerful and very well known. And they are often spoke of in the Elder Scrolls themselves. Meaning they're part of history in the future and all that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about some of them. You will definitely know some of these. One, the very first one of which you are hunting for as the vestige in Elder Scrolls Online, the Amulet of Kings. This uh, amulet was also called the Amulet of King's Glory. It was a pendant traditionally worn by the ruling emperor of Cyrodiil. I know we've already covered this one in a previous lore lesson, but just bear with me. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> it was adorned by the Chim El Abadal, or the Red Diamond, in the center. The soul of each reigning emperor was enshrined within the Red Diamond to bring each of the rulers together in death so they could provide counsel to their successors. The amulet was only wearable by an individual with dragon's blood running through their veins. Sorry, Mr. Prophet. Mm, yeah, you really not, screwed up there, buddy. <laughs> not for you. You had one <laughs> job, and it wasn't to do that. Poser. All right, so then there's the Anse Wards. These are three ancient relics from Redguard culture that were said to contain the spirits of powerful Anse warriors. Now, what is an Anse warrior, you ask, Jibs? Anse warriors were among the greatest swordsmen from the legendary Redguard warrior clan, the Swordsingers. So the Swordsingers were like the SEAL team, I guess, and then the Anse warriors were SEAL Team 6. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the Anse Wards, they were crafted in the first era to help the Red Guard combat the threat of necromancy in the Alakir Desert, which we know is a major problem, especially for the Red Guard, because they hate that. Uh, the next one, Ariel's Bow. This one piqued my interest, which is why it's in my lore lesson. This bow was actually used by Ariel herself, the Elven God taking the form of an elven moonstone bow it is known to be one of the most powerful weapons in tamriel's history the bow draws its power from Aetherius itself channeling it through the sun ariel's bow is connected to ariel's shield and also ariel's quiver which are two other ancient relics kind of neat and there's Azura's Star. This Daedric artifact was created by the Daedric Prince Azura and acts as a reusable soul gem of unlimited capacity. Which is why it is highly sought after by mages and assassins. Mm-hmm. Although uh, Azura's Star was originally designed to only capture white souls, not racial. It's a type of soul. <laughs> has nothing to do with color. Not racial. Not racial. Um, although it was originally designed to capture only white souls, it was corrupted during its history, allowing it to capture black souls. Once again, not racial. Not at all. <laughs> That's called a disclaimer. So there. 
I don't want to end up on the front page of fake news. Oh, fantastic. Okay. Baralzar's Mazed Band. We have talked about this one before. This is an artifact created by the mage Baralzar in Clockwork City. This ring was used as a way to teleport, but its power was underestimated at first. The artifact was discovered to have the ability to open rifts in time and space, including the Gates of Oblivion. That's a freaking problem. Oopsie! This became an issue as nightmarish creatures were released upon the land due to these inadvertent breaches. (laughs) (laughs) Backfired on you, buddy. Oh, that's funny. Okay, once again, not racist at all. The Black Books. These were formed by Hermaeus Mora, the Daedric Prince of Fate and Knowledge. And he was said to have made these books to transport its reader to Apocrypha. Hermaeus Mora's own realm of oblivion. Each book had some form of forbidden knowledge, which is what made people want to read them. The tomes were bound in black covers with a symbol representing Hermaeus Mora, and they emitted a strange black mist. These books were spread across Tamriel and usually found in the depths of ancient dungeons. Sounds like some place you where I might visit, Chips. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agree. Uh, the the blade of woe. I know you've all heard of that, you, because every time I walk around a city, I hear the blade of woe being utilized to murder innocents <laughs> all over the place. This ebony dagger is historically tied to the Dark Brotherhood. It appears to be a simple dagger. However, in the hands of a trained assassin, the dagger is capable of draining health, draining magicka and willpower demoralizing and most likely killing its victims in a single blow. Each member of the Dark Brotherhood is taught to call upon the the blade's power during the Second Era. We may or may not know what this is all about. Highly ranked members of the Order, Dark Brotherhood that is, can actually shield their identity from victims as an additional power while using the Blade of Woe. So, cool. so it's like, oh, 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 I'm getting stabbed. I'm dying. I don't know who's doing it. That's it. What a world. <laughs> what a world. <laughs> what a world. What a world. <laughs> okay, next is the Blood Skull Blade. This is an ancient Nordic artifact that was enchanted with a long silver blade decorated with red markings. It was created by the Blood Skull Clan of Nords from Solstein. Um, it is sometimes seen as a single sword, sometimes seen as a great sword, but it causes magical frost damage and releases a ribbon of mystical energy to strike distant targets. So not only are you hitting close, you're hitting targets from a distance. Wow. For a time, the blade rested in Blood Skull Barrow in Solstheim, guarded by none other than my Skyrim friends, the Draugr, and a crapload of them, I would imagine. Uh, next artifact is Calcimo's Stone. This artifact was found in the province of Skyrim and bears the inscription in both Dwemer and Falmer alphabets. Using the Aeliad language, most of the Falmer inscription can be translated. But it doesn't say what it is. So there's it. The Crusader's Relics. This is a set of Adric artifacts created by the Eight Divines themselves and given to Pelinal Whitestrake, the Divine Crusader, 
who you will probably remember from our Midsummer Madness. Mm-hmm. Uh, the full set of armor, shield, mace, and longsword was used by Pelina Whitestrake to banish Umaril the Unfeathered, an alien sorcerer king. Interesting set. Dragon Priest Masks. These are the masks of dragon priests and were said to have been created by the dragons of the Merithic era. The highest ranking priests of the dragon cult were given these magical masks that had the power to defy the laws of time. Each mask is named after the dragon priest that owned it and they were buried with them when they died. The names of the masks are made of the dragon's tongue. Man, that's so cool. Like yeah. I, I'm still, like, anytime I go through the costumes and I see the Dragon Priest stuff, I just, I'm like, man, there's a real part of me that would love a good quest, you know, just some type of, not just quest, but some type of skill line that involves that, even more so than Dragonite stuff, just the, I don't know, man. I think it's so cool. It's like the equivalent of, like, the Sith Order for me. Oh, stop it. <laughs> Stop that dirty talk. All right. So, uh, ooh, let's talk about another artifact. Maybe the most popular artifact in all of the Elder Scrolls series. Can you take a guess? Mm, the Elder Scroll? Yes, that's correct, my friend. The Elder Scrolls themselves. Nice pick. I'm smart. You are, you are smart. Oh, You're smart. so smart. Jobs is really smart. Jobs done. <laughs> All right. The Elder Scrolls themselves, also called the Adric Prophecies, these scrolls are among the most mysterious artifacts that have ever existed and not existed on Tamriel. The scrolls are said to not exist in any countable form, most likely due to their vast number of artifacts. They are said to be fragments of creation from outside of time itself. They simultaneously do not exist, yet have always existed. Oh, that sounds... Much like... Yeah. (laughs) Go ahead. Oh, I I can't. (laughs) Go ahead. Much like the Dragon Break. Yeah. Thinking about the Elder Scrolls gives me a freaking headache. (laughs) Like trying to understand them. Other than... You read them and you go blind and you go lame and you start doing some hood rat crap like the prophet did, right? Yeah. Guy went, Spoiler. he went bat crap crazy. Yeah, it goes a little crazy, yeah. It does. Okay. Next artifact, the gold brand. Isn't that weird? This ancient artifact takes the form of a golden katana Created by the dragons of the north, and according to the legends of thieves, it was given to a powerful knight who was sworn to protect dragons. The golden brand, isn't that vid? Mm. Contains the power of the Daedric Prince Boethia and turns those that it strike and burns those that it strikes. Whoa. Turning and burning. Gas it up and burn it down. Sword is said to have a more powerful form known as Elton Brand. Not Elton John Brand. I was going to say Elton just John? Elton Brand. Yeah. Just Elton Brand. Which increases its wielder's stamina and skills in battle when a purple feathered garment is worn around your neck. Okay. And you play piano keys. That's right. 
So there's that. Piano tunes fill the air with every swipe. Piano tunes. <laughs> Sweet keys. Sweet keyses. Sweet law. Sweet keyses. The hammer of Garin. This legendary hammer was created by the Dwemer Garin. Paired with the anvil of Mythos, this... Hi, kitty catty. That's enough. This hammer was the only object strong enough to not shatter when used to shape metal upon the anvil. It is also said that when the hammer struck the anvil, it produced a chime which revealed the location of the entrance to the dwarven mines beneath Red Mountain. That kind of cool one, huh? Yeah. I know. I think there's a lot of people who won't get their hands on that hammer. I forget. Pause for a second. And is um, Dagoth Ur, that, that's all done and over with, right? In the ESO timeline? No. No, that's not happening yet? That's later. Okay. All right. Because no. right now, I've, I'm pretty sure that's over. Because the Battle of Red Mountain has not taken place yet. Or has it? This is what happens when we go three seasons into a show about lore. I know. (laughs) And you know, okay, so here's here's my thought. If the Battle of Red Mountain had taken place, then the the protection that that Vivek set would be around Red Mountain and we'd know what it looked like. I don't think that's there in our game. Hmm. So I think the fall at the Battle of Red Mountain, I think that was the fall of um, Omsivi. And I believe that when that happened is when they lost their power. Hmm. All of them as a trio lost their power. So I'm sure someone will correct us. Okay. This one, next, this next one really bummed me out. Right? Okay. Oren Bearclaw's helm. Okay. Now, if you know Bosmeri heroes at all, which we talked about a long freaking fracking time ago when we talked when we covered the Bosmer race. Mm-hmm. And our friends out there in podcast land, listener land, know that I love the Bosmer. I'm always looking for a hero, right? So Orin Bearclaw. He is a legendary Bosmeri hunter. This prized artifact belonged to him. The helm was an enchanted skull which improved the wearer's agility and endurance. Orin Bearclaw was killed, coincidentally, by the Kanahattan flu. Interesting, huh? That is interesting. The Slodes flu? Yes. Killed Orin Bearclaw. So, a lot of resistances, just not to that. Hmm. So, here's the part that bummed me out. After Orin Bearclaw's death, it was speculated that the great many deeds he was said to have performed in life were actually performed by his close friend, an orc named Karag Grokar. And they weren't actually performed by Oren Bearclaw. So he's a like, fraud. Yeah, I'm like, daft, dude. It just crushed my dreams. Wow, man. Yeah, that could bump me out. So, oh well. I did not know that. That is weird, wild stuff, I tell you. Okay. The Mace of Molag Bal. This is known as the Vampire's Mace. 
is a Daedric artifact wielded by Molag Ball, the Lord of Domination and Enslavement. Sounds like a nice dude. The enchantment of the mace drains a victim's stamina and magicka, then transfers it to the bearer of the mace. The mace is particularly powerful in the vanquishing of magic users. The Mesa Molag Ball was said to have been forged by a talented orcish blacksmith who Molag Ball enslaved and turned into a soul shriven in the dungeons of Cold Harbor. What a D. Wow. The Mace is said to be an artifact of Daedric worship, as Molag Ball believed that whenever the Mace fell upon mortal hands, death and destruction was sure to follow. Wow. That dude is gnarly, yeah. man. He's just a bad man. The Mentor's Ring. The High Wizard Carney Azrin, not Arson, which I wanted it to be so bad, but it's the High Wizard Carney Azrin. And not as Carney as like in the guys that run like the those World? cheap games like Small Hands and Smell Like Cabbage. Ring of Fire. Not that kind of Carney. But um, anyway, this high wizard's name was Carney Azrin. He was said to be the creator of the Mentor's Ring, this enchanted ring that has the ability to increase the wearer's intelligence and wisdom. After Azrin's death, the ring vanished and was circulated throughout Tamriel. The Nerevarine was said to have found the ring in a tomb in the bitter coast region of Vardenfell. Interesting stuff. Mm. Hmm. Another one. We're almost done here, folks. The Ring of Hercene. This Daedric artifact was created by the Daedric Prince Hercene, and it was a metallic engraved ring fashioned into the head of a wolf. The ring was known to give temporary lycanthropy to its wearer and allowed werewolves to control their transformations as opposed to being subject to the moon cycle. The Rootmender's Staff. This is from Merkmeyer. Formerly known as the Sap Speaker's Staff, this artifact can be found in the region of Merkmeyer. It has been known to materialize out of a lifelike vision of the past into reality. Interesting. The True Flame. This is also known as the Blade of Nerevar. It's a one-handed Dwemeri-made sword from the First Era and had a match a second blade of the same design by the name of Hope's Fire, True Flame and Hope's Fire, which are awesome freaking names. Right? I love that. Both blades, when wielded together, represented the very best of Dwemer craftsmanship. They were presented as wedding gifts. Very interesting point here. They were presented as wedding gifts to Lord Inderil Nerevar and Almalexia by the Dwemer King Dumak. Seemingly before they got into a bitter life and death struggle with each other. Yeah. But it was a wedding gift, which I thought was pretty cool. True Flame was shattered during the Battle of Red Mountain in the mid-first era. There you go. There you go, buddy. That answers our question. The Battle of Red Mountain had already taken place in the middle of the First Era, and the pieces were lost to history. In the Third Era, the Nerevarine, remember that's the successor to the Nerevar, right. to Nerevar, found the pieces and reforged the blade. Okay. Yeah. 
pretty neat lore. Folks, I want you to understand there are so many more artifacts in the Elder Scrolls series. The ones that are discussed in this lore lesson is like the tip of the iceberg. So go seek them out for yourself, either in lore books or in the game or on the wiki or uh, on UESP or in the Imperial Library. There are so many artifacts to read about. And it's it would have been... You know, we'd have been here for another hour and a half with me talking about every, you know, detailing every single one. There's so many of them. But um, it was really neat. It was, it was kind of a neat lore lesson to write. Yeah. They all are. But this one's yeah, they all pretty are. cool. Agreed. Yeah, there is. Yeah. It makes me want to know more about Daedric stuff as well, listening to that. That was really good. That was really good. Okay. Really, 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 really good. All right, everybody. Well, oh, hey. Oh, I've been looking for so you. Where is Bell? I've got something I'm supposed to deliver. Your hands only. Thank you. Appreciate that. Okay, well, it is that time where we answer your questions. We go over your fan mail. And the first one we got here, this one is from Anne uh, on Sothasil. Now, this one was quite long in the first part of it. She said some uh, very kind things about the show, but I had to cut it out for length for the show. That being said... This question is for Cash. My question regarding this past episode. This was a... We're getting caught up still in our emails from a couple episodes ago. This past episode is for Cash, who has been ripping on my boy Sotha Sil for the past couple episodes now. You labeled him the devil for convincing Vivek and Almalexia to use the tools to extract power from the heart of Lorcan. But seeing as he's one of the three that made up the tribunal, isn't there a collective responsibility there? Oh, so, for sure. Sothasil is a tinkerer, so of course he would have studied the tools, but Vivek and now Malexia made a choice to go along with it versus oppose it. I recently completed the main quest line for Clockwork City, and I'm not going to spoil anything, but I will say there is a conversation that takes place that is incredibly interesting and might change your perspective a little. A little, excuse me. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it when you finish. Anyway, sorry for the epic ramble. I look forward to the next episode. Well, that was a very well thought out attempt to like counter my, my thoughts. And I am incredibly open to this. I love this. So I, yeah, I do have a pretty pointed um, thought process slash opinion now on Sothasil and actually all of Almsiri for sure. Because I, I don't. I've talked about it before on the cast. If I make an oath to something in my own personal life, I'm going to stick to it. So betrayals like this, even in my video games, bother me to the core. So, yeah. I mean, I I would actually really be interested to hear which uh, conversation that you're talking about at the end so you can give me a little bit more um of a clue as to like what it is maybe who the conversation was between because there is a pretty good chance that i have heard it and can uh, can comment on it so but thank you very much and thank you for the rest of your um the rest of your email because it was really nice so much really nice. appreciated yeah. safe travels friend agreed there you go uh, last one here is from Jonathan. This is on the racial passive changes we talked about a couple episodes ago. 
It says, my thought and opinion on these is that leave the stronger racial passes, uh, passives of Red Guards, etc. alone and only buff the weaker ones like Bosmer and Dunmer, etc. So a buff to Bosmer, I want to see would be a resist affliction buff and bring it up from 6% to like 10% because even with champion points as well, I don't see it as very effective. And with this, also give a new passive to each race. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. A new passive to each race would be really cool, actually. I would agree. Yeah, add new passives. I'm I'm kind of at a point now where I really think we need a new race to the game. Oh my gosh, that would be awesome. We really need, I think, a new race. And it, it's kind of like one of those things where, like, obviously it has to be delicate. Del- delicately done, right? Because it's Elder Scrolls, and the lore in Elder Scrolls is literally just about as precious as when it comes to, like... It'd be like changing the lore of Lord of the Rings or Star Wars, okay? It's just like, those are, those are like sacred places that you gotta be careful, and they know that. That being said, though, this is also an MMO, so this is like four years down the road... Uh, I mean, and we're going on five here. That I, I think it's about time, man. I think. What would you rather time. have a new, a new race or a new class? Both. Bro, cake and eating it too. <laughs> Both. <laughs> Said every gamer ever. Yeah, um, that's true. I, honestly, That's I'd like to see true. both. Uh, I, I mean, I don't mean at the same time. I just, you know, I would love to see both. I, I love the fact that, you know, when ESO really got my attention or started to get my attention again was when they announced Morrowind. That was the expansion that kind of turned my head oh, to, yeah. to the attention of ESO again. I wasn't playing it oh, yet, yeah. and in fact, I didn't even start playing it again until two weeks before we started the show. That was like in March. So, you know, coming yeah. back and seeing all these things, I'm like, gosh, I, I loved the way that they introduced the Warden. Looking back, I love the way that they did all that. They have something up their sleeve. They always do, I guess. But r- right now, specifically, I am saying it's been quiet. Like, yeah. they don't get me wrong, not with content. Like, they had, they're on a regular schedule and they're releasing content. But... For the past few weeks, it's been they've almost been on autopilot with all of these little releases of holiday stuff and events. It's like almost like they're just executing this schedule almost as smoke and mirrors because there's something taking place in the background at Zenimax Online Studios. Well, Matt. I can freaking feel it. Well, Matt Firewall was talking, and you remember he was. You know, talking about this next expansion, where they're going to be taking the game, and it's he—I uh, can't say the quote exactly verbatim, but summarized was: "This is the biggest thing that they've ever tried. This is the hardest they've ever pushed themselves on something. This is huge. So you know, it makes you wonder, like, where where are they going to go? And and yeah, you're right. It does feel yeah. that way. Yes, we're getting news. And remember when we did uh, the old podcast, Level Up Morning Show, and pretty much it was reporting right like we take topics and we talk about it it's just you and i and a couple other people and uh one thing that kind of always stuck with me was the reporting side of it and i can tell you from from putting the news together for the show it just it's felt different the last few weeks 
It really has. The way that the news has been coming out, it, it feels like Cash said, like, yes, they're executing a schedule to a T, but also it just feels like everything's just like on a quiet hum, you know? Like right. This, and, and that's just, it's kind of how it feels. Not going through the motions, but it's, I don't know how else to describe it, except it just feels like there's just humming along, you know? Like there's well, something it feels, going on. Yeah, it feels like to me, like, especially on Twitter, if you follow um, Elder Scrolls Online on Twitter, there is a constant stream of things coming out on their Twitter feed, which is great. It's fantastic. It's a, it's a busy place. Elder Scrolls Online's Twitter feed is a very busy place. But it feels to me that they have good people in the right positions now, which allows everybody to execute their jobs very well. And in the background... There's diligent work going on. Not, not like there isn't all the time, but it just seems like right now there is something abuzz. Makes you wonder, doesn't just it? Just throwing it out there. I, it's a, Maybe it's just a feeling. Maybe they're not doing anything different, Cash. Maybe they're doing nothing different. No, I saying, but I think something's going on. I think it's about time for a new race. That's all I'm saying. And class and... All the things. We love all the things. We love anything to do, really. All right. Well, everybody, this was the episode of Lore Seekers. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. And if you enjoyed your time here, we'd love to hear from you. For every five-star review that we get on iTunes, we show you some love on the show. And so feel free, anytime, leave us a review. Tell us how we're doing. You like us, you hate us, whatever it is, we want to know. So no, that, no, the, no, <laughs> no. I don't want any hate speech. <laughs> I want love. We want preferably we would like to receive love, but you know. In the form of five star freaking reviews. There you, go. there you go. If you want to leave us a four star, don't. <laughs> There's uh, that. You could <laughs> You can always call us at 765 765- 382-6961. Leave us your voicemail. Play it here on the show. Try to keep around one minute or less, if you could, please. Uh, email Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, you can also uh, join our guild. we got an official guild. And there is literally cash. We've got lore seekers from literally all over the globe. And we continue to grow quite rapidly. I know we got Christmas stuff coming up. Yeah. We do. We have uh, some pretty cool Christmas events coming up within our guild. If you are looking for a nice family to join with a family environment and a good, solid, positive atmosphere, we are drama controlled and we get rid of douchebags. So there's that. There you go. Yeah, really, really, I've always said to Cash, you know, our guild is it's so incredibly like friendly and close knit and it just seems to garner some of the best kind of people around the uh, Elder Scrolls family but also it's such a social place like there's all kinds of events going on you've got people talking all day every day in discord we've got various channels for add-ons whether it's build questions crafting hub sections I mean just all kinds of fun stuff so anyway come be a part we love to meet you love to greet you but uh, anyway you can listen to the show wherever podcasts are free. It includes Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, all the good things, whatever app you're using. And after you're done listening to this show, 
be sure and head over to the other podcasts. That includes the Tenets podcast, Tales of Tamriel, Sons of Sithis, and Written in Uncertainty. You can follow us on just Twitter. Takes a, what? Just takes a little bit of practice. I, I think I got it. Yeah. I think I got you, it. You did real you did real well. It took me about ten episodes, but I think we got it. Yeah. <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter myself at Jibs IRL, Cash at Lore Seeker, Cash with the K. And most importantly, the podcast at Lore Seekers Cast. Thank you all so much for hanging out. We yep. hope you have a great week. It's been I think you and I are gonna hang out for a little bit longer and maybe order another drink. I'm down maybe with something. Not order another Alright, well, that's fine. Holy! Dude! What in the hell was that? I felt the wind off that. That was the weirdest freak. It was like somebody, like, ran by. That was odd. Okay. Um. Hey. What is on the table? Did the barmaid leave that? I really haven't been paying attention. Ale's taking effect. I do not know, but there is an envelope there. Oh, open that it was up. not there. Open it up. Um, Maybe it's more fan mail. Or news. I appreciate all those. It was there a minute ago. Hmm. Well, let's take a look. Whoever had left the parchment at our table was gone in a flash. One moment we were having a laugh and the next we were startled by the rush of a light wind and the sobering thought that someone had known we were at the Golden Griffin and had been watching as Jibs and I conversed for the last couple of hours. Whoever it was, they moved very quickly, like a ghost. Well, that was strange, I mused, trying to use a comedic approach to my obvious curiosity. Yeah, what was that about? Jibs questioned as he slipped a letter out of the unsealed envelope that was left before us. What's it say? What's it say? I blurted in a whisper, stretching my neck to get a glimpse over the top of the edge of the paper as Jibs examined it. The letter was written on rough parchment, ink smudged in the top corner. Not a fingerprint, mind you, just a smudge. Written on the parchment was a series of unrecognizable squiggly lines. Neither Jibs or I could make out the meaning of the message. It wasn't written in any language we were familiar with, but the haste in which the letter was presented to us brought a sense of importance to deciphering its meaning. The hell is that? I spouted with obvious irritation. We need to get it translated, Jibs said, his eyes fixed on seemingly nothing as he glanced across the room. I could tell he was deep in thought. Well, yeah, Captain Obvious, but how? Who? I questioned, continuing my irritation. I know just the place. Grab your stuff, pay the tab, we gotta go. Jibs ordered me as he stuffed the parchment back into his satchel, stood up, and walked out the door without saying another word. Sure, I chuckled. I guess I'll get the tab. I raced out the door... Jibs was already a stone's throw ahead of me. I set out into the busy town square, keeping an eye on his hood bobbing up and down as he darted in and out of the heavy foot traffic in Alinor. Down a dark alley just west of the Golden Griffin. No foot traffic here. I was able to quickfoot it to Jibs as he waited for me outside of a door. 
Outlaw's Refuge? Are you crazy? We're going into the mouth of the beast here, Jibs. I warned him, trying to keep my volume down. If there was ever a place for prying eyes and ears, it was the local thieves' guild. Jibs just smiled back. Pull your hood up over your head and quit your sniveling. You want to know what's on this note, don't you? I smirked. He was right. Some things were just worth the risk. Besides, we'd had a few meads, so what the hell, right? The Eleanor Outlaw's Refuge was massive. Requisitioned by the Thieves' Guild, requisitioned, I say, this was an old, ancient Aldmer ruin built into the cliffside. It was a series of crumbling pillars and staircases with dusty hidden rooms all over the place. I followed Jibs up several flights of stairs to a dingy old study. Cobwebs were all over the place, and of course, I was the first one to get a face full of them because of my height. Jibs always seemed to just miss him. In the corner of the darkened room, next to a bookshelf loaded with old tomes, a single candle flickered, emitting just enough light to illuminate a massive text opened on a rickety old table. Rolled scrolls were scattered about and a large map was unrolled, held in three corners by small pins pressed into the wood. An hourglass seemingly out of sand on its top half centuries ago, accented the workspace. Tucked into a corner, and quite difficult to see in the poor illumination of the room, was a mysterious figure sitting in a chair. He appeared male, was sinister and dark, just as one would expect in a place such as this. Cloak pulled up over his head. I was just able to make out his glowing eyes and dark skin. Mur for sure, Dunmer perhaps. The light flickered off his skin and he slowly glanced up with squinted suspicious eyes at Jibs, who was first to enter the room. Jibs stopped in his tracks and stared at the man. Armetheus? Jibs questioned. There was silence. The man sat there, motionless, for just a few seconds, before slowly sitting back in his chair and steepling his hands. Who's asking? A sinister voice mused from under the cloak. A friend of the guild, Jibs hesitated, clearly spooked. Uh, you could say we're treasure hunters of a sort. Ah, interesting, yes. You have found the one called Armetheus, and I sense no threat in you. Curiosity, perhaps. What great emergency compels you to interrupt my work? A stranger said with a stare. Well, our apologies for interrupting, sir, but we've heard tell that you're the most utmost authority on deciphering the ancient tongue. Am I mistaken? If so, then please. The man seemed to light up at Jib's words, sat up in his chair and interrupted him. Why, yes, I have been known to study the ancient texts from time to time. What can I do for you? Do you have something for me? Armetheus' sudden excitement from his prior darkness set Jibs and Cash at ease. Well, sir, we just need this text translated. Can you help? Jibs reached into his satchel and retrieved the encrypted note, unfolded it, and placed it before the mysterious scholar. Armetheus glanced at the parchment, open and resting on the desk in front of him. He stood quickly and threw his hood back, setting my curiosity at rest. Definitely a Dunmer. 
He had red eyes, and his face, although difficult to see in the poorly dimmed light, appeared to have either worn tribal tattoos or scars on both sides. I could sense he was slightly timid over others looking at his face, having pulled off his hood so hastily. Resting both of his hands on the edge of the desk and leaning forward to read the text, Armetheus smiled at Jibs and donned a set of reading spectacles. I haven't seen this text in years. He began to thumb through the very tome that was on his desk. At first he grabbed a thick grouping of pages and let them slide through his thumb with a whizzing sound until he seemed to have reached the general area of the pages he sought. Then he transitioned to turning one page at a time in a frenzy, slowing down page by page until he reached his destination. On the page he found were numerous symbols all similar in nature to those on our mysterious parchment. Ah, here we are. Eliadun. This is written in ancient Eliadun. Do you know of it? Aramethius asked. Heard of it? Seen it on several of our excursions, but never thought much of it, Jibs answered. Aramethius nodded his head with a blank stare in Jibs' general direction. Yes, I thought as much he wryly retorted. Ancient Eliadun was the language of the Aelids. This, however, is a Bosmeri offshoot to the language called Valenwood Eliadun. It's a result of the cultural exchange influenced by the mixture of the Aelids and the Bosma in the aftermath of the Alessian slave rebellion. It's a lost language, although I would imagine it could be used nowadays to encrypt certain critical messages, you see. Armetheus moved his head from the page and looked at Jibs and Cash in turn, lowering his spectacles and raising an eyebrow. Well, what does it say? Can you help us translate it? I said with impatience. His glare fixing on me, Armetheus smiled. Well now, I can't say I'm the pinnacle of innocence in my dealings. After all, you did find me in my personal study in a criminal's hideaway. However, there are certain things one may step away from when they sense an inherent danger to their personal health. Not that I feel you or your grey-bearded companion here are a threat to me. No, no, quite the contrary, you see. I sense you are about to uncover something that I just don't particularly want to be a part of. For that matter, the applicable alphabet is located on the open page of my tome, just here. You just have at it and blow out the candle on your way out. Armetheus left his spectacles on the desk, pulled two swords from under the table, stowed them in the empty sheaths hanging at his sides, pulled his hood over his head, and exited the room. As he walked out, Jibs and Cash, mouths agape, said in near unison, Thank you, sir. Armetheus stopped, turned around, and nodded curtly. The pleasure was mine, gentlemen. Oh, and if you find you need further assistance in your travels, feel free to seek me out. Something tells me that we'll cross paths once more. Good day, lads. With that, Arimetheus, the well-respected scholar of Tamrielic history that Jibs had heard so much about from his reliquary agents in Somerset, vanished from the room, leaving Jibs and I to decrypt the message that had been so mysteriously laid before us. Jibs set to work immediately, 
not looking up for a single second while he feverishly deciphered the cryptic code on the parchment. He seemingly finished, but from my vantage point in another chair, I couldn't read the translation. He stood up, slowly walked over to me, without saying a word, handed me the translated parchment with a pale, blank look on his face. It read, Reliquary, your red guard lives. Use Bane. He won't last long. We need to meet. No deception. If we sense any trickery, I'll kill him myself. Dawn tomorrow. Fish the end of the dock at the Satarn Keepway Shrine. Signed, A Hopeful Friend. <laughs>